Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you're a Christian. And everything seems to be going well. Except you realize that sin is playing a very dominant role in your life. What should you do? Pray more? Read your Bible more? Well, we'll see. And we'll talk about it next. Coming up on Cutting It Right, why don't you join me? Well, praise the Lord, this is Reverend Michael Jakes, and this is Cutting It Right. And on today's podcast, we're going to tackle that age-old question, how do I live the Christian life? It has plagued many over the years. And the answer may surprise you. This is a good one. Pull up a chair and listen right now. I want to, as we pick up here, I want to discuss the mindset, the mindset of individuals now and in the future as to the coming of Jesus. Is a certain mindset because everybody doesn't teach about the rapture, the second coming. Everybody doesn't believe that there is a rapture. Uh, people believe that there is going to be a judgment day, that one day Jesus is going to return, and that one day he is going to set things straight. And on judgment day, everyone will get what they deserve or whatever is coming to them, whether it be good or bad, most people believe that. But all do not, all do not teach or believe in a literal rapture that Jesus is going to return uh, and take his people home to heaven with them. This is not something that is taught or believed everywhere. But what is that mindset? Uh, the Bible talks about the Bible talks about false teachers. False teachers that will come saying several things. Let me bring you first to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter in chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and this is the Apostle Peter writing, and he's talking about individuals who will infiltrate the church, who will come into the church, teaching false doctrine. False doctrine proceeds from false teachers and he says here in 2nd Peter chapter 3 starting in 
Verse number three. It says, knowing this verse, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Scoffer. Scoffer is someone who mocks, makes fun, makes little of. That's what a scoffer is. And he says, in the last days, as the time approaches for the return of Christ, as the, the world positions itself for the coming of the Lord, people, not just any people, people who you would think would know better, false teachers. So when I say false teachers, I'm talking about teachers who teach the word. In some capacity, but they are false because they deny certain things or add certain things to scripture. That is a false teacher. He says, these individuals, these scoffers, they're going to walk after their own lust. Their own lust. One of the, uh, uh, one of the characteristics of a false teacher is that they are about themselves. They are about promoting themselves. They're about promoting what it is that they are trying to get across. Uh, they are trying to get people to follow them. There's a certain mindset of a false teacher. A false teacher. They want followers. They want people to, to run after them. And so they say things that will tickle the ears of people. By tickling the ears, we're talking about they will say things that make people feel good. They will say things that make people feel happy. They will make, say things that make people feel secure about their situation. In so doing, they will lie. They will tell you things that are not true. They will twist the truth. Many times, many times a false teacher, not every time, not every time, this is a very... Uh, uh, I'm not going to say this happens all the time, but many times a false teacher knows the right way. Or many times a false teacher, there was a point in time when they did teach truth. But because of several factors, they become false teachers. What factors? Greed. Greed can turn you into a false teacher, going after uh, the popularity of being, wanting to be known, and I could put that down there, the need to be known. All of these are factors that turn someone who once spoke the truth into someone who now speaks false things. Those are all factors. Now, he says here, in Second Peter, that they are walking after their own lusts. Their own lusts. There's a certain type of selfishness that goes along with being a false teacher. Remember, 
Maybe they always did not. And many times, other false teachers, those who are not doing it intentionally, which they do exist, many are doing it unintentionally. There are some false teachers who are doing it unintentionally. Where does, how does unintentional, how does unintentional false teaching happen? Where does unintentional, because there is intentional false teaching, meaning you can teach things that are not true on purpose, on purpose, with an agenda. I'm going to do it this way because I want this and I want that. I'm going to make the people feel good so they can do what they, so they can give it. That's intentional false teaching. But what about unintentional false teaching? Unintentional false teaching happens when your foundation is corrupted. When your foundation is corrupted. Here, I'm going to tell you something right now. It's for free. I'm throwing it in. If you get Jesus wrong, because Jesus is the foundation of everything. Jesus is the foundation of everything that we do. If you get Jesus wrong, everything else is going to be off balance. Everything else, everything that sprouts from a wrong foundation, as it grows, there will be some growth, but it's going to be crooked. And in the end, it will not stand because the foundation is faulty. And that's how unintentional false teaching happens. Not on purpose. I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you things that are not true. I'm not trying to pull the wool over you on your eyes. I don't want anything from you. I'm not trying to hurt you. But once again, it can happen if the foundation is messed up. If the bottom is not right, everything else that comes on top of it has the will eventually crumble. Yes. Um, like you said like um so the person that's teaching the per like the foundation doesn't it come from somebody else like say if i just got saved and somebody's teaching me something wrong i'm gonna follow that person because like i don't know what was right yes so I'm just gonna... yes you will yes you will that's why it's important to make sure that the foundation is right now if you're just coming into the faith how are you gonna know if you're being indoctrinated, if you're being told that this is how it is, you're hot because you're saved, you're born again. That's the right thing. Listen, most churches get it right when it comes to salvation. Most churches get it right. All churches, most churches understand that the way that an individual gets saved is to pray, Ask Jesus to come into your heart. That we're all sinners and we all need a savior. And you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness of your sin. 
Most churches got that part right. No problem. It's what happens after an individual can say that the problems start coming. That's where it can get a little bit tilted. Because once again, once you get saved, the question automatically has to become, all right, I'm saved, I'm born again. Now how am I going to do this? Now you have to live the Christian life. Because now you are a Christian. Now you are not the person that you used to be anymore. The Spirit of God is in you. You are new. You are brand new on the inside. How do you live the Christian life? Going to church every Sunday. Every Sunday just going to church and sitting down and listening to what somebody got to say. Hmm? Carry your Bible with you everywhere you go. Make sure you read your Bible as much as you can. Pray real hard. All that is very, extremely, totally, totally helpful. And you got to do it. You better read your Bible. You better pray. You better pray a lot. Good stuff. Good stuff. But I still didn't answer the question. How do I live the Christian life? Because what you're going to find out after you get saved, after you become a Christian, after you become brand new, you're going to find out that there is what the Bible calls... <clears throat> I'm going to use the Bible word and I'm going to explain what it means. The King James Version. That's what I read. That's what I know. The King James Version uses the phrase superfluity of wickedness. I saw your head turn. Like, <laughs> like what is that? Because I haven't come across that word. was like. <laughs> superfluity of wickedness. It simply means the overflow of evil. The all that remains of evil. The Bible says we need to lay aside all of the sinfulness that we have. You will find out when you become a Christian, you find out very soon that you still have an overflow of wickedness and very soon your mind will begin to tell you your mind will begin to tell you and the Satan will begin to whisper to you am I really saved because I still see some sin in me I still find myself still wanting to do some stuff and I still have done some stuff so am I really saved what happened Am I really a Christian? And that will happen. Because there is an overflow, an excess of stuff, wickedness, sinfulness inside of you. It still remains. So the question has to become, how do I live the Christian life? How do I do this thing? How do I get saved? And I'm going to put it in this way. How do I get saved and stay saved? How do I get saved and stay saved? 
I'm not trying to imply that you can lose it, but I'm saying, how do I get saved and live saved? Because I still got extra stuff. I still want to listen to that, and I still want to watch that, and I still want to go here, and I still want to hang out with that. I still got all of that stuff going on, but I'm a new creature in Christ. How do I live the Christian life? Is the Christian life only supposed to be done on Sunday when I feel holy and spiritual and Christian-y? It's only on Sunday? What do I do on the days in between the Sundays? Help! What do I do? What do I do? Let me turn to Galatians. Let me show you. Galatians. The book of Galatians. Chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Get my other Bible here. Carry a couple of swords with me on Sunday. Galatians chapter number three. All right. Now remember the question How in the world do I do this thing called Christianity? What's a brother to do? Or a sister to do. Galatians chapter 3. Starting in verse number 1. Oh foolish Galatians. This is Paul talking to the Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Let me explain what's going on here. Paul was speaking to the Galatians. The Galatians had become Christians under the, under the preaching of Paul. They were Jewish, but they were going back into Judaism. They were going back into the law, doing the things in the law, keeping the law, making sure that everything was in place. Paul had already said that that's bondage. That's bondage. Oh, I didn't do this, or I got to do this. Oh, I, I got to do this, or. He said, this only I want to learn from you. Here's the key. He says, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? Did you get saved because of the law? Did the law save you? Did you become a Christian because of the law? The law cannot save. Keeping laws cannot save. I read my Bible this much, this much, this much, this much, this much. And I pray this much, this much, this much, this much. I fast this long, this long, this long, this long, this much, this much. All good. But he says, did you receive the spirit? Did you get saved by doing that stuff? The answer is no. None of that stuff could save you. And none of that stuff can, quote, keep you saved. None of that stuff will in itself, in itself, 
None of that will help you to remain saved. Every time I speak this, it sounds like that I'm saying, don't read, don't pray, don't fast. And that is not what I'm saying. It doesn't mean that at all. Okay? He's saying the way you got saved was not by the law. And so the way that you live this life is not still by keeping the law. What is the law? Anything that you set up in your life, anything that you put in your life that you believe that will bring you any type of victory, sanctification, satisfaction when it comes to sin. Anything like that that you think is going to help you, then if I don't do this, then God can't do this. And if I don't do this, then I won't be this. You have created a law. You have created a law. Doesn't have to be Old Testament law. You made up your own law when you said, if I don't read two chapters in the morning, my day is going to be messed up. You just made a law. You just made a law. Law will get you in trouble. Law is going to law is going to stir up your sinful nature when you try and keep the law because flesh and spirit can never get along. And when your flesh sees, hears, knows that you are trying to keep law, your flesh is going to step in and say, no, 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 no. And so the struggle will still be there. You're still going to be struggling. I got to read these, I got to read these chapters. And your spirit will, your flesh will say, no, you're not. Mm -mm. So keeping law is not going to keep you saved. He says, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Every man, every woman gets saved by faith. For Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God not of what? Works. Not of works. So that no one can boast. Nothing you did. Nothing you can do is going to save you. Nothing you did or nothing you continue to do will keep you saved. It is by faith. Verse 3. Are you so foolish? He's saying to them, listen y'all, you have lost your senses. You're supposed to be moving forward in Christ, but because you're trying to because you're trying to marry the law with grace and do them both at the same time, you've lost your mind. And instead of progressing, you're regressing. You're going backwards. You're going backwards. Having begun in the spirit, you started off right. You got saved by faith. 
You started off okay, but now you are being made perfect. Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You got saved through the Spirit of God. Now, you're trying to live the Christian life through the flesh. He said it's not going to work. It's not going to work. The doing of things is not going to enhance your Christian life. How do you live the Christian life? You live it by faith in Jesus. Well, that time sounds too simple. By the same faith that got you saved is the same faith that keeps you saved. No one should think because I did this, because I did this, now I'm going to be this. It is by faith in Christ. Trusting everything that he has done. He did much when he died on the cross. Now I sort of digress. And they mean to go all the way over there. Because I'm talking about these false teachers in 1 Peter. Or rather, 2 Peter chapter 3. And let me get back there. 2 Peter chapter 3. Knowing this, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, people who mock and make fun and make little of, Walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? See, there's a difference between what the false teacher says and what those who are living the Christian life and expecting Jesus. Those who are living the Christian life and expecting Jesus say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. The Bible says that we are looking forward. We are expecting the, the, the blessed hope. We are looking forward. To, we want him to come. But the false teacher says, where is he? Where is he? I don't see him. Because they say, for since the fathers fell asleep, since them days long, long ago, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Nothing has changed. Everything has gone along smooth like it was. I don't see Jesus. Where, where is he coming? Where is he? Where is he? Okay? Verse number five. For this they are willingly ignorant of. I have to stop right there. Because that's, that statement right there is a terrible statement. It is a terrible indictment on false teachers and people in general that inhabit churches. He says this, they are willingly ignorant from. You see, you can, you can separate yourself from the truth on purpose. You can say, I see it, I hear it. I think I understand it, but 
I'm going to ignore it. What that really means is you don't believe it. You don't really believe it if you can step away from it after you heard it. Okay? Jesus is coming back. Okay. Jesus is coming soon. I got you. I got you. But hearing that, knowing that, thinking you understand that, and still continue in the same pattern of living says you don't really believe it. So they are willingly. People can be willingly ignorant of the truth. It's one thing to be ignorant because you don't know. Certain things happen in life that you didn't you didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. You didn't know. But once you know, you begin to take steps to fix it, rectify it, change it. Once you know something, once you hear that Jesus is coming back and he's going to judge, that calls for an assessment of your life. And you have to begin to think and to make changes based on the fact that Jesus is coming back for his people. Am I one of his people? But people can be willingly, willfully ignorant. It's not what I want to hear. People have wrecked their lives because they have wanted to remain willfully ignorant. I told you before about the, the inventor, I have to say the inventor of the Jehovah's Witnesses way back in the 1800s. His last name was Russell. He grew up in a very staunch Christian home where they, his father was a preacher, I believe, I believe, but he was brought up being told about hell and living right and living proper. But his life, as he grew up, did not match up with that. And so as he grew up, he came to the conclusion that he was going to still be a, quote, religious person, but he was going to teach his people that there was no hell. Because he was haunted and told about hell all his life growing up. He didn't want to be told about hell. And so in his, quote, religion, there was no hell. And that's where the Jehovah Witnesses began. And they don't believe in hell. So he willfully... separate himself from the truth. The truth that he'd known for his whole life because it didn't sit well with him. No hell. No hell. Just because a person doesn't want to hear, doesn't appreciate hearing, does not mean that it doesn't exist. You can cry and moan, have a tantrum about there is no hell, there's still a hell. You can cry and moan and complain and scoff and make fun. Jesus is not coming back. Jesus is not coming back. You can do all of that, but
but it's not going to change the fact. Jesus is coming back again. He's still coming back. No matter what you say or believe or do, he's coming back. And so these false teachers, they are willfully and willingly ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water in heaven, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Okay, so they understand all of that. They understood it, but they distanced themselves from the truth. Verse number eight, second, second Peter chapter three and verse number eight. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, okay? He's saying, okay, false teachers and those like them are willingly ignorant, willfully, by choice, they say no. By choice, they say no such thing as Jesus coming back. Don't believe the hype. By choice says here, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Here's one thing that you ought not distance yourself from. That you ought not be willingly and willfully ignorant of. Don't choose to ignore this one, he says. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Don't sleep on that fact. Okay? Don't sleep on that. God is not like us. God is not like me. God is not like you. And we ought not to try to reduce God to being one of us. He says one day with the Lord is like a thousand years. A thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. And the Lord, verse 9, is not slack. He's not forgetting what he has spoken. He is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. But for all of the naysayers and all of those who say that Jesus is not coming back, he will not return. Why? What's taking so long? Where's Jesus? Where he's at? I thought Jesus was going to come back. Look at the world. Where's, come on. Where? He is long-suffering to us. He's waiting. Why? Because God is gracious. He is gracious. He is waiting. He is waiting. He is waiting. What is he waiting for? He is not, he, he is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish. Not willing that any should perish. Listen, what we've been talking about the last few weeks in the book of Revelation, all that stuff that's going to happen, it's going to happen. God told Noah in the book of Genesis, there's going to be a flood. I'm going to flood the earth. And he told him what to do to prepare himself and the people. He said, look, I'm going to bring a flood on the earth. It didn't happen the next day. 
Didn't happen in a week. It happened over a hundred years later. But it happened. What he said then, that he's going to come, trust me, he will come. He will come. Whether it's in your lifetime or in your children's lifetime, he will come again. Just as he says right here. He is not willing that anyone should perish. What that mean? What does that mean? To put it bluntly, it means that he doesn't want anybody to die. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. He's giving everyone time. Time to get it together. Time to fix it. Time to get it right. He's giving everyone time. Where's Jesus? He's waiting for people to get saved. He's waiting for the preachers and the teachers to preach the message so that those who don't know can hear and be saved. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. But that all should come to repentance. We got this idea of God that he's up in the sky. Bam. 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 Killing everybody. Hurting everybody. Listen. God sees everything that's going on in the world. Why does God let this happen? Look at Lord. Look at people getting blown up, people getting their heads chopped off. All this stuff is happening. What? Why? Why? What? All this sickness, all these things going on. How come God doesn't step in? How come God doesn't step in? Listen, listen. There's no way that anyone, especially me, is going to be able to try to explain all of that to you. Because I'm not going to pretend to know why God allows this and why he allows that. No. All I know is part of his plan. And one day he will fix everything. That's part of the faith of the Christian life. Putting your trust in him. He's got you. He's got you. All things will happen as it is spoken. But what is needful, do not become a scoffer. Do not become one of the ones that say, where's Jesus? I don't see him. Where is he? Uh-huh. Where's that? I don't, where, don't become one of the scoffers. Don't become one of the people who are willfully ignorant on purpose. Don't become one of those people. Don't become one of those people that try to change what the Bible says to suit your own needs. Don't do it. That's not what we're called to do. Our job is to trust and obey. Trust and obey. I understand. Trust and obey. But why trust and obey? Of course you're going to have questions. Of course you're going to wonder. Of course you're going to scratch your head and say, of course you're going to get down on your knees and holler, why is this happening to me? Yeah, yeah. You might do that. You might do that. Bottom line, trust God. And obey. Trust. Trust. Live Christian life. Keeping your eyes on Jesus and his cross. Don't look at people. 
Don't look at her. Don't look at him. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Don't look at what they do. Don't listen to what they say. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Because I'm guaranteeing you. Here's what I know. In some churches, <clears throat> in some churches, whether it's here or somewhere else, when the pastor is gone, the flock will fall. When the pastor is gone, the flock will fall. It happened with Jesus. Jesus said, this night, all of you are going to be scattered because of me. They saw what was happening to Jesus. They saw Jesus get arrested, taken away. And the disciples, boom, they fled in every direction. They was out. Jesus gone. What are we going to do now? In some churches, when the leader is gone, whether he dies, whether he falls spiritually, whatever happens, when the, the church, the individuals, they will fall by the wayside because they were never following Jesus. They were following the person. If you follow the person and the person falls, guess what? You lost. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do now? He not there. She not there. They not there. What am I going to do? You lost. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You only follow the individual as they follow Christ, you follow them. If they stop following Jesus, you got to stop following them. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name this morning, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. We thank you for allowing us to speak this word today, Lord. We pray that you might have your way, Lord Jesus. Lord, let us let us not become like the scoffers or those who count slackness. Lord, we know that you are coming. We expect you to come, Lord Jesus. But in the interim, as we are awaiting you, Lord Jesus, help us to walk properly as we live this Christian life, Lord Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes stayed fixed. Focus completely upon you, Lord Jesus. Anything else, Lord Jesus, and we are in danger. Lord, we don't want to look to the left. We don't want to look to the right. We don't want to look to man. Lord, we want to see you and your cross, Lord Jesus. Because we know that we started in faith with you. We don't want to morph and go backwards into law. Lord, have your way in us, Lord Jesus. Keep us in the palm of your hands, Lord Jesus. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. But before you go, I'd like to invite you to check out our other podcasts, including That's the Word, Walk Points, The Bible Speaks Live, and Upper Room Outreach Ministries. And they're all available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn Radio. Also, you can check out our blogs at thatstheword.org and cuttingitright.com. So until next time, this is Reverend Michael Jakes. May God bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.